At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you found visa's premier baseball betting show this is the run line It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VEASAN studios here at the Circle Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke. This is the run line. I'm pitching in here. Well, bullpen action. Coming yes. out of the bullpen like, like Rick Vaughn back in the day, but they don't call me Wild Thing. How are you doing, Adam? I'm good. It's good to have you on the desk here. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Fun to be here. Talk a little baseball over the next couple hours. Make sure to tweet at the show. We want to hear from you guys. At VEASAN Live on Twitter, at Skating Tripods is where you can find Adam. At Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. Coming up, we're just two days away from the MLB trade deadline. We'll go over some likely trade candidates and which teams could see a bump in their odds by end of day on Tuesday. Also, the regression report coming up in 30 minutes, real or fake, at 6.15. And a complete look at tomorrow's card, which features 10 games. But first, we begin with our rapid Sunday recap. And I want to begin, Adam, in the Bronx. The New York Yankees taking on the Kansas City Royals, and we saw all the Aaron Judge magic over the past couple of days there surging in this AL MVP race. But today, the magic ran out for the Bronx Bombers. They lose to the Kansas City Royals 8-6. to New York minus 280, the favorite KC, plus 230. So go ahead and cash that dog ticket. It goes over the total of 8.5. But how about that top of the ninth, I believe it was, for the Kansas City Royals? They ended up scoring... Three runs there to extend that lead there as they go ahead and take this one eight to six over the Yankees. Yeah, so a really interesting series all the way around. And the Yankees did take three out of four in this series, mm. but they struggled. I mean, they had the Aaron Judge walk off in the first game on Thursday night. They had some difficulty in the rain delayed game on Friday night where they were actually down five three in that one. Garrett Cole wasn't particularly sharp. But you get the Aaron Judge late grand slam. They win that one 11 to five. But today kind of underscored some of the issues that the Yankees have been having lately. Clay Holmes gives up three runs on one hit, gives up the big home run, only records two outs in his appearance. Ron Marinaccio, who just came off the DL about a week and a half ago, he gave up a run in his relief appearance. So that's the thing right now for this Yankees team. Their bullpen is a little bit concerning as they've had to shuffle the deck a little bit. They lost Michael King to a fractured elbow. Mm -hmm. He had been their primary setup guy pitching in high leverage. So fortunately, they got Marinaccio back. They got Loizaga back. They got Chapman back. They're kind of working those guys, trying to figure out the roles for them. But Clay Holmes, some uh, some cracks in the armor here recently, and it may make the Yankees a player at the trade deadline for some of the relief arms that are out there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of folks have been talking about with this Yankees team is the bullpen has been a question mark, and maybe that's what holds them back come October. It might be a team that's better suited for the regular season than they are for the postseason. But I feel like almost the big takeaway from this series, despite what happened this afternoon, is probably going to be Aaron Judge and what he was able to do and now getting a stranglehold on this AL MVP race. I'm looking at the markets earlier before we got the show underway, and I saw minus 400 at one shop here. Otani around that plus 335 range. Or what have you. So uh, to me, I don't, I don't know if minus four hundred is the right number, but I, I get as to why there's so much momentum for Judge because the guy can't stop hitting home runs, and the Yankees, by and large, are winning a ton of games here, and they could be the best team in baseball, at least record-wise, by season's end. Yeah, for sure. And and also the thing about Aaron Judge and what he's doing right now is that he's doing it without Giancarlo Stanton, mm-hmm. and Stanton's been a guy who's been a really key cog in the middle of that order. He makes a ton of violent contact. He's a guy that you know pitchers also have to fear without him. Not really sure why they're still attacking Aaron Judge, but you know he's hit virtually every mistake out of the ballpark. It feels like he's on pace for about sixty-five home runs now, and good for him because he's doing it in a contract year. Mm-hmm. But a bigger story than that, I think, today coming out of the AL East is so I'm a Guardians fan. Everybody knows that if yep. you watch the show. I mean, I'm I'm pro Cleveland as as much as I possibly can be. <laughs> Interesting today that they run out a bullpen game. It's Brian Shaw, Kirk McCarty, just a whole cast of relievers for the Guardians. And they're able to beat Shane McClanahan. And it's wow. just one of those things that speaks to the variance level of baseball, how anything can happen, how crazy the game can actually be. That, you know, McClanahan gave up five. He wasn't particularly sharp. Guardians bullpen was able to make that hold up. And Emmanuel Classe remained completely unhittable. But, you know, this is a really big concern with this Rays team where they have to win every game four to three, four to two. They don't mm-hmm. have a lot of offense. They'll be a player for some bats here at the trade deadline. But, this was another one of those days where facing just a random collection of pitchers from Cleveland, they managed just three runs on eight hits. Yeah, no, they're, they're this uh, Rays team to me, McClanahan, favorite to win the AL Cy Young, but um, yeah, that's a tough one to lose there to the Cleveland Guardians. And how did you describe it before we started the show about the Guardians lineup? A collection of stiffs, <laughs> it's collection which, of is stiffs. A, which is definitely a major league <laughs> reference there. There we go, the collection of stiffs out there in Cleveland. Also in the American League, we saw the Houston Astros walk it off against the Seattle Mariners 3-2 to in the 10th. Jordan Alvarez, adding to what has been a terrific season for him, gets the RBI single as the Astros win that game 3-2. to The Mariners just can't crack the code that is Houston. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, I think you mentioned the status we were coming on air here, and, mm-hmm. and we'll have to double-check it, but I think you said that Mariners are 17-0 and yep. <laughs> against everybody not the Houston Astros uh, over the last <laughs> little while here, and it's just what it is. You know, they just uh, they, they kind of have that team's number. And, and the Mariners did win yesterday's game, at least. But mm-hmm. you know, going into that one, they had definitely struggled with the Astros and had lost, I believe, five games to them since the All-Star break. And, of course, they're unable to, you know, uh, split that series here today. But, you know, Seattle is still a, a solid team. I really love their acquisition of Luis Castillo. And they gave up a pretty penny to get him. I mean, they gave up a collection of prospects, including Noel V. Marte, who is a guy that's Kind of far away right now, but a worthwhile gamble, certainly for the Reds. I think it was a win-win deal for both teams. And furthermore, Castillo signed for next year. He's at least arbitration eligible. But I also think that the Mariners acquired him with the expectation that they were going to sign him to an extension. And this is a team that does need pitching help. There's only so long they can keep running out Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen and some of these guys. If they decide that they want to ink Castillo to an extension, and I think that they will, now, all of a sudden, you've got George Kirby, who pitched today, struck out seven over four innings. You've got Logan Gilbert. You've got you know Robbie Ray tied up for a while. And then, of course, now you add Luis Castillo to the mix. 
This is a team that's building something pretty special in the Pacific Northwest, I think. Yeah, it's been... Music to your ears. Music to my ears, because it's been more than two decades since the Mariners have made the playoffs the longest drought in North American sports currently right now, not since 2001. Folks, it's 2022. The Mariners still hoping to end that drought this season. We'll get some October baseball up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Also in the American League Central, the Chicago White Sox, a team that I'm very interested in because I am invested in now on the White Sox who in the American League Central. They get the win against the Oakland A's 4-1, Dylan Cease on the mound. And this White Sox team, I'm looking at the standings and based on what happened between the Twins and the Padres, that that lead in the Central starting to shrink. Yeah, you know, it's every day I watch this Central division and I just think to myself how mediocre this twins team is because yeah. the white Sox have been a mess all year long they have a bunch of guys injured tony la is a guy who should not be managing a major league baseball team in 2022 and here they are still in this fight and that really speaks a lot to how the twins are just average yeah. at best i mean again the guardians are a team they've gotten really bad starting pitching outside of shane bieber and tristan mckenzie pretty much all year long they have nobody in the offense besides jose ramirez Andre Jimenez and Steven Kwan that can consistently put up numbers and they're right there in the hunt too. And this White Sox team, I bet them, you know, during the all-star break to win the central Ben Wilson and I have been talking about it for months Mm -hmm. and I I finally made the leap here with this team. Dylan Cease has been phenomenal. They're still figuring it out with Lance Lynn. Lucas Giolito has been kind of hit or miss for the most part, but this is what they have. They, They can't squander games against teams like the Oakland athletics. And they did that in the first game of the series, but they came back to win two out of three here. And they do play Oakland again for a four-game series out at the Coliseum in September. So that'll be a really important series for them. But this White Sox team, the bullpen is solid when it's healthy. The rotation is very, very good. It's a top-five rotation in the American League. And the offense, when healthy, has a lot of upside, has a lot of potential. I'm still waiting for this team to hit that stride. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe playing against a very soft schedule in the second half. They only play... I believe four teams that are kind of in playoff contention in the second half. This is a team that still has a lot of life. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I finally bit that bullet in the Central Division. Yep. And, you know, at least uh, it, was, go. it was good to see them get that win today. And Dylan Cease has been phenomenal for the last several weeks now. I think he's only given up like four or five earned runs over his last 10 or 11 starts. Well, we can party together when the White Sox <laughs> win the AL Central because somebody has to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody as has to. It's, it's almost <laughs> like kind of looking like the NFC East. You know, I know you're don't a Cowboys do it, guy, no offense, me, yeah. but like, where a team could go you know, win with nine wins. So that's yeah. what the Central Division feels like, where the team that wins it may win 84 or 85 games and be a big yeah. dog in that uh, wildcard play-in round. Staying in that division, the Minnesota Twins, like we mentioned, they lose to the San Diego Padres today out at Petco Park. Padres win that one 3-2. to two. Uh, Game goes under the total there. As this Padres team, a lot of buzz about them potentially trading for Juan Soto, but what's happening on the diamond is still pretty good here post-All-Star break. Yeah, and this was a tough one to swallow for the Twins. I mean, you know, Dylan Bundy actually gave them five respectable innings, and that's been the biggest issue for this Twins team all year long. The starting rotation is not very good. They don't get much length from them. We'll talk about some of the trade deadline guys that I think that they're going to be very much in the market for, and Mm -hmm. in my opinion, they should get at least one, if not two of them, to try and bolster this rotation. But... You know, they got three innings of scoreless relief, and the offense just wasn't there for them. Only two runs on four hits today off of Sean Manaya, who had been struggling. You know, Manaya had not been in that much of a groove for the Padres, who have kind of been up and down themselves. But, you know, this Twins team, again, there's just there's nothing that jumps off the page about them to me. And 
That's why I've thought they've been vulnerable all season long, and mm-hmm. I still think that's the case. And they did not play well in this series against the Padres. They got blown out yesterday, ten to one. Joe Ryan gave up five home runs to a Padres team that had hit thirty-four home runs in forty-six home games going into that one. He gave up five, so he wasn't sharp at all. This Twins team is, again, like I said, I think vulnerable is just the best way I can describe them. We're up against it a little bit here, but any other game that stood out to you from today's action in the MLB? Yeah, I think one other game that kind of stood out a little bit here is, you know, Pablo Lopez and the Marlins. You know, I mean, Pablo Mm -hmm. Lopez has really had a tough go of it for a while here. Now, this Mets offense is a pretty solid group. I've had concerns about their contact quality throughout the course of the season, but Pablo Lopez, six runs on 12 hits today. Not a good look for him. Yeah, not a good look at all there for the Miami Marlins there. New York Mets continuing to win as they kind of hold on to that NL East, but the Braves are coming, and we saw a big outing there for the Braves tonight, or rather earlier today, I should say, with Austin Riley getting that walk-off double to win the game for Atlanta. On the other side, we'll turn our attention to Sunday Night Baseball. Giants-Cubs, we'll get you updated on that. Also, the trade deadline. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and always drink responsibly. Welcome back. This is The Run Line coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. He's Adam Burke. I'm Femi Bebefe, talking all things baseball here over the next couple of hours. We have one baseball game going on right now, the final one on today's slate over in San Francisco. Sunday night baseball between the Cubs and the Giants. Right now, we are scoreless in the bottom of the fourth. The live numbers right now at DraftKings are as follows. Giants minus 175 on the money line. Cubs plus 140. The total sitting at three and a half. And it's juiced to be over there. But so far, not a whole lot of fireworks out there by the bay. No, not a whole lot of fireworks at all. And and furthermore, I mean, the Giants offense just continues to struggle, continues to look really bad. Adrian Sampson here through three and two thirds, a guy that I think is a major regression candidate for what it's worth, but not today. He's got five strikeouts already, only given up two hits, both mm-hmm. to Tommy LaStella and only two hard hit balls in this game as well. And of course, hard hit balls defined as being with an exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour. So 
the Giants not making much contact quality here. And, you know, Femi, I, we were talking during the break. You know, this is a team that if they lose tonight, and obviously this game is, is very much hanging in the balance here, mm-hmm. but they're already a game under 500. We'll see if they get back to 500 with a win tonight, but they're four and a half out in terms of the wild card right now. And w- when you kind of look at the composition of this team and you look at the issues that they've had, personally, I think they should be a seller. I don't know if that's what Farhan Zaidi and his staff are thinking, but to me, I think this is a team that just, they don't really have it this year, and they have a lot of guys that I think would be pretty attractive to other teams around the league. I also think the Cubs have a lot of guys that will be attractive to other teams around the league as well. But, you know, this Giants team, I don't think he gets moved, but tonight's starter, Carlos Rodon, look, I mean, teams in need of starting pitching help will pay a lot for Rodon, given the season that he's having here so far. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of health risks, too. So if I'm the Giants, even though he's signed through next season, if I can capitalize on the half season I've gotten from him and maybe get out from under that contract and not be worried about next year and the potential arm health issues that he has, that's something I would look to do. Brandon Belt, Jock Peterson, a couple of guys that I think could be moved from this team. Uh, so you know, when I look at them, uh, Wilmer Flores is a pretty good platoon bat. I think this is a team that should probably sell, but I don't know if that's what they're going to do here over the next uh, you know, 36 to 48 hours. Yeah, it's almost having to get inside the minds of the San Francisco Giants brass, and if they can have that come-to-Jesus moment, if they end up losing tonight's game, now it's, like you mentioned, it's scoreless here, but it could be a smart move for them to sell high on somebody like Rodone there and get him uh, and get some prospects back or do something, whatever they want to get back. Cause this year it doesn't feel like it's going to be their year. Like it was last year, winning a hundred plus games and winning that division there. Um, the Cubs you mentioned, cause it's interesting just seeing these two teams playing on Sunday night baseball. We were talking about during the, the break there, Jeff Passan is a part of the broadcast and all that. It's almost, almost like it was by design having these two teams that mm-hmm. could be potentially sellers in the Sunday, the final Sunday before the trade deadline coming up in a couple days there. What are, some names that you're looking at on the Cubs that might be appealing to some of these other teams who are contenders and trying to get over the hump here as we get down to the stretch run. So I think there are three guys that are absolutely going to go from the Cubs. I think there could be more than that, but I think there are three guys that are almost assuredly going to be traded. One of them is catcher Wilson Contreras, and we saw Contreras in his last home game. Him and Ian Happ had an embrace in the dugout, and Ian Happ's another guy who's garnering a ton of interest. Now, they don't have to move him. They have to move Contreras. He's a rental player, mm-hmm. so I'll get to happen in a minute. But there are some teams that are very much in the playoff hunt that could use an offensive catcher like Wilson Contreras. The New York Mets specifically, they are 30th in weighted on base average from the catcher position. They're 20th in wins above replacement player from that spot. I think the Mets and Contreras is almost too perfect of a fit not to happen. So I would absolutely expect that to be a deal here over the next couple of days. The Cleveland Guardians need a catcher as well. But I think they'd rather go after a controlled guy like a Sean Murphy from Oakland, something like that. I don't think they're in the market for a rental player. But the other team that I think could come in and swipe Contreras from the Mets would be the Houston Astros. They could use another bat. They're very good defensively at the catcher position, but they don't get a whole lot offensively. So I think the Mets and the Astros are the two really strong, very clear fits for Wilson Contreras. I think the Mets ultimately get a deal done, but I would definitely look for that over the next couple of days. Ian Happ is a guy that's played six positions at the MLB level, and he's also been an above-average hitter every season of his career. So he's a guy under contract control for next year. Every team in baseball could use a guy like him. He turns 28th on August 12th, so there are a lot of teams in the market for Ian Happ. He may go simply because the Cubs have a really robust market for him. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, it's pen help. I think Michael Givens and David Robertson are two guys that absolutely get moved from this Cubs team. Bullpen help can be pretty easy to find. You can get some lottery ticket prospects for it. I think Toronto 
could use either one of those guys, Givens or Robertson. I think the Yankees, obviously, with what we saw today, yeah. they could use a little more depth. And the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, they're a team that always needs bullpen help. And they're a team that you know, is very much in that wild card picture right now. So I think Contreras, Givens, and Robertson absolutely go. And the market for Hap may just be too good for the Cubs to overlook. Are any of these guys needle movers for you? Because like the trades are going to be happening over the next 48 hours. I'm sure folks who are betting are going to be wondering, all right, how can I take advantage of this in the market, trying to be anticipatory? Do any of these guys, if they were to join a contender, really bump them up in their odds a little bit? Or are these just kind of just filling in and just adding a little bit more depth for them? So I think Hap would be a needle mover for me because mm-hmm. Ian Hap is a guy, as I said, he plays six different positions and he's yeah, that's competent at most of them. So that's a guy where he could go to any team. And, you know, really lengthen a lineup, give them a lot of flexibility in late game situations. So I think Ian Happ is absolutely a guy that, you know, would move the needle. I think Contreras going to a team like the Mets would move the needle for me because they're Jacob DeGrom is returning on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He'll make his first start of the season against the Nationals. And Max Scherzer's back. He's pitching well. Carlos Carrasco's been good. Chris Bassett's been solid. If the Mets get another offensive piece, to me, that's enough for them to hold off the Atlanta Braves in that division. That's a very important thing to do because it looks like the team that wins the East and the team that wins the West will avoid that best of three playoff series, get one of those two buys. So that's a really important thing for the Mets to go out there and win the division. And I think Contreras is a guy that moves the needle if he goes to the Mets. Maybe not so much if he goes to the Astros just because they're already a really good team anyway. But I think Contreras going to the Mets would be something that would be definitely make me think a lot higher of them particularly of their offensive profile you know it's interesting because the trade deadline a lot of discussion has been centered around Juan Soto and rightfully so because he's a generational talent superstar outfielder there for the Washington Nationals so young even at that even though he wants that big contract but I'm sure that's if you're a team you're more likely to invest in somebody like that at his age the teams that have been linked to him have been like the Yankees, the Mets, the Padres, uh, the Mariners. There's been some rumblings or whatever. So these are teams that look like obvious buyers here at the market at the trade deadline. And we already saw the Mariners make that trade for Luis Castillo there earlier on Friday. But is there an underrated team that's kind of a little bit off the radar, in your opinion, that I think might end up being a buyer that could surprise and potentially throw their hat in the ring pushing towards the playoffs? So I think there are three teams. I, I think, you know, as you said, the Padres have been linked to him. There's two different markets for Juan Soto, right? There are mm-hmm. the teams that want him for the next two and a half years, and there are the teams that want him to sign him to an extension. So teams like the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, teams that are very cash rich, they would look at him as a long-term acquisition, right? Yeah. They'd get the two and a half years that he already has in terms of arbitration eligibility, and then they would sign the extension and they'd have him for probably another 10 years. But there are also other teams that could go ahead and acquire Juan Soto for his current contract. And then they'll figure out something to do based on their situation in his free agent, his walk year. I think teams like the Rays, the Guardians, the Texas Rangers, I think these are all teams that could potentially look at their situations and say, you know what, we're not giving this cat $500 million but we'll take him for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the Guardians, where they could make a really big splash, they actually have the prospect pool to make a deal. There are not a whole lot of teams that have enough prospects to make a deal. Cleveland is one of them. They have a ton of middle infield prospects. They've got guys up the middle in, in the outfield as well. They have a lot of guys that they could move and still have enough strength within their system 
to feel comfortable with where they're at. So I guess kind of what you're looking at here is the Nationals have a ton of leverage. They don't have to move him. They'll probably move him in the winter if they don't move him now, but mm-hmm. they don't have to move him right now. They can wait for the best possible return, whoever that comes from, and then they don't really have to worry about you know trading him in that walk year. So I think teams like the Rays that have a lot of pitching, that have a lot of prospect depth, that develop really well, they could look at this situation and go, you know what, we know we're not going to sign him, but we can take you know the financial hit to have him for the yeah. next couple of years. So I think that those are some teams to, to kind of keep an eye on here as the trade deadline gets closer, where, again, they're not teams giving him $500 million, but they're teams that will happily take him for the next couple of seasons. Cleveland is very interesting to me, and because I know you're on the White Sox to win the division, as am I, and a lot of people are talking about the Twins, but it feels like Cleveland's almost the forgotten third team in this three-horse race in the AL Central, plus 275 mm-hmm. to win the division in their one game back. To me, Cleveland, if they were to make a move like that, they definitely throw their hat in the ring, uh, potentially going for an AL pennant there. But still a lot left to be decided for this trade deadline and also for the stretch run as we approach October here in a couple of months. But on the other side, we're just getting started here on the run line. The regression report coming up next here on Visa. Found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is the Run Line. The College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over/under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a Veasan All Access subscriber. You hear that? You got to be a subscriber to get access to the guide. Sign up for VEASAN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is The Run Line coming to you from the Circa Resort and Casino. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke. Adam, you are a big part of the college football betting guide. Uh, a lot of great information in there. We've talked college football leading up over the past couple of weeks here. It feels like everybody at the network ramping up the college preview content, but this guide, second to none, packed with a lot of good info. Yeah, it's a, it's a great guide. I mean, it's 330 pages long. There's a ton of information in there. You got team previews for all 131 teams, as you mentioned. I did 49 of those, uh, Conference USA, Sunbelt, SEC, and Big 12. Mm-hmm. Also an article for me on how to set up your own power ratings, how to make your own numbers nice. for games. Um, you know, A lot of stuff from Steve Mackinan in there. He does a great job with his power ratings, his effective strength ratings and all that. So, a lot of stuff in there, and in fact, uh, another guide contributor, Tim Murray. Him and I will be together on the nightcap here mm-hmm. for the first three days, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, and I believe you are with Tim Murray Thursday and Friday next week. That is correct. I imagine that you and Tim will talk a lot of college football. Is that a safe assumption? Safe assumption. Also, <laughs> uh, it seems like we're going to have some NFL news to talk about tomorrow. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we had Debo Samuel signed today already, and of course, now it's been announced that the Deshaun Watson suspension will come down mm-hmm. tomorrow. So, yeah, no uh, no shortage of, of football things to discuss. And, and that NFL guide uh, tentatively scheduled for August 25th. There we so go. now is definitely a good time to subscribe over at vcin.com. It's a great time to subscribe, a great time to be with all of these guides. Because if you don't have them and you're trying to bet on these sports, trust me, college football is difficult. 131 teams, like I mentioned there. So you want to be, have all the news and notes and Get some help from our experts here over at VEASAN. Also, a score update out in the Bay Area. We have the San Francisco Giants now lead 4-0 in the top of the fifth. So they have now shot up 
to minus 4,000 on the money line. You have the Cubs at 13 to 1 here. Live number totals at 7.5 juice toward the under. You know what's funny is when I was doing PTA primetime action here this week, we were, it was the Yankees Royals game where Garrett Cole was on the mound. And they were up like 3 to 1, something like that. Yankees were minus 3,000. And then all of a sudden yeah. they were down 5 to 3. So, you know, things can definitely get crazy in Major League Baseball, but it is funny how it worked out where I said Adrian Sampson was a regression candidate <laughs> and then before the end of the segment had given up four runs, but you know, we'll see if uh, we'll see if four runs is enough for Carlos Rodon tonight. Speaking of regression, let's talk about the regression report and tonight's regression report, the theme is batting with runners in scoring position since the All-Star break. Now, this data is leading up all the way through yesterday's game because we obviously did not have today's data since the games are going on right now with the Cubs and the Giants wrapping things up today in baseball. But there are a couple teams that we'll highlight here in the regression report, at least initially, that have been batting above their skis, if you will, here. Who are those teams, and why do you think that they're going to come back down to earth? Yeah, so one of them is the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and interestingly enough for Toronto, they're a team that over the first six to eight weeks of the regular season, they were awful with men in scoring position. I mean, they were just they were the worst team in baseball, despite all of that offensive talent that they have. Well, they were bat they came into today batting almost four hundred with men in scoring position since the all-star break. Now, part of that is because they scored twenty-eight runs against the Red Sox in that first game back uh, after the midsummer classic, but they have a four twenty-seven batting average on balls in play with men in scoring position. That's not sustainable for any team, uh, but that's especially unsustainable when you're talking about a number that's that high. But with that being said, I mean, Toronto's offense has gotten it going. They're 11 games over 500 now. Uh, you know, that's a team that is definitely really in a great 12 games over 500 now, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, they're in great position to be that number one wild card team. And I think they're in a great position to add here at the trade deadline as well. So is that a team that you will be looking to fade in the coming week here? Or how do you kind of play onto this information that you have. So I think Toronto is is good enough that even when that comes back to earth a little bit, you know, they'll still be playing really mm -hmm. well. The other team though that has been really good with men in scoring position since the All-Star break is the Cincinnati Reds. Batting 365 going into today, they won that game 3 to 2 over Baltimore here today. But they had a 456 batting average on balls in play since the All-Star break. And now they go on the road and they face Miami, Milwaukee, and the Mets, so that we'll call it the killer M's, I guess, for their <laughs> offense here because their offense is going to go in the tank now. Now, if there's anything you've been able to pick up about the Reds throughout the course of this season, it's that the ball carries really well in Cincinnati. It is a phenomenal offensive hitter's ballpark. They're going to three ballparks here that really aren't particularly good for offense, and this is a Reds team with very stark, very contrasting home road splits on the batting side. So they've done really well here on this homestand but I would not expect that to be the case as they head on on the road. Now, they'll be a pretty ample dog in most of their games. Tomorrow's a really interesting one that we'll talk about later on in the show with Hunter Green and Jesus Lazardo, a couple of really hard-throwing lefties, or a couple of really hard throwers, excuse me. But this Reds offensive uptick will not hang around. So yeah. if you've been looking at the Reds, hopefully you've been making some money on them during this homestand, uh, but their offense will come back to earth very, very quickly here during this upcoming road trip. And the reason I isolate those two teams, the Blue Jays at 396, the Reds at 365, no other team in baseball came in today higher than 299 with men in scoring position since the All-Star break. That's so crazy. I look for extreme outliers to regress to the mean, and those are two of them for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the Cincinnati Reds batting 262 overall. So it just goes to show you that Things are just kind of bouncing their way when they right. get those runners in scoring position. Some teams that have been underperforming what the baseline usually is, you have about five of them on your list, six I should say here, on the list in runners in scoring position. Who are a couple of them and we can get, dive in there? 
Yeah, so the Cubs are one of them. And, and honestly, I mean, the Cubs have been a pretty good offensive team with the bases empty all year long. They're in the top 10 in plate appearances with men in scoring position. They just don't do anything when they get men in scoring position. And that's been the case here for them in the second half as well, batting 226 uh, with men in scoring position, despite batting 258 as a team overall. So they've actually been mm-hmm. pretty good offensively since the break, just not when it matters the most. The Pirates continue to be really bad. That's probably not going to change for them. The Angels as well, really bad. The Royals betting 206 with men in scoring position. They just traded Andrew Benintendi, who's their best hitter. Now they'll probably end up trading Whit Merrifield as well, who's not having a good year, but he's betting over 300 in the month of July. So that'll be a loss for them. Uh, The Marlins, their offense has been just in the tank since Jazz Chisholm Jr. got hurt, and then also since John Birdie left the lineup. They're also missing Garrett Cooper now. So they're not getting key hits at the right times. The Padres... They're, they're batting 224 going into today, but got that 3-2 to two win. So it's one of those things where this is open to a lot of variance. This changes a lot in small sample sizes, but hitting, and this is kind of an uncomfortable thing for me because I'm such a metrics guy, but hitting can truly be contagious with men in scoring position. Everybody relaxes, just kind of easier. It seems like those hits sort of flow. For teams that have started the second half on a bad note, that's really not what you want, especially if you're a bad team to begin with, like the Pirates, like the Angels, like the Royals. So those are teams that probably continue to get worse as the second half goes along. So it's interesting because the teams that you expect to regress in the positive manner, do you play on them individually or do you maybe play totals in those games, pending the ballparks and weather, all, all that stuff factored in as well? But how do you try to kind of register that opinion into the market? Yeah, you know, look, when you talk about teams like the Pirates, the Angels, the Royals, they don't have good pitching. Right. So I'd be more inclined to look to play overs in their games as opposed to bet on their sides. Whereas when you talk about a team like the Mets, for example, who struggle with men in scoring position in the second half, to me, that's something where I'd start betting on the Mets. Yeah. I would start looking okay. for the Mets to have some better offensive fortunes where their bullpen is pretty solid. And I think they will get some middle relief help. And their offense, they put a lot of balls in play. So, you know, they're not striking out a lot with men in scoring position. They're just not finding holes with the batted balls. So, it's always on a case-by-case basis, but you know, it seemed like the Mets, I'd play on them. Some of the bad teams, I'd look for maybe some you know low overs. Hope to get over seven mm-hmm. and a half, over eight, stuff like that. I do betting across America every Sunday with James Salinas, and he can't get enough of this Mets team. He loves the Mets to represent the National League in the World Series. Clearly, the Dodgers have the best record. They might have the best record by the end of regular season here, but the Mets with the two pitchers, if DeGrom gets back to form here now, he hasn't pitched in over a year, so that remains to be seen here. But if he can get back to form paired alongside with Max Scherzer, it feels like this Mets team has all the ingredients to make a deep run in October. Are you buying in on this Mets team as a potential NL winner and possibly a World Series winner as well? Yeah, I think so, especially when you you get to the trade deadline – you have to have an ownership group that's willing to buy in. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Cohen is, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's buying in. We'll, <laughs> we'll just say that. So there, there's no situation that precludes them from getting, you know, any of these players. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they may, they won't get Juan Soto because I don't think the Nationals will trade within the division. Yeah. But, you know, if they wanted, if they isolated Noah Syndergaard and said, you know what, we want a reunion. Noah Syndergaard's owed almost $7 million the rest of the way. But if they decided, hey, we want one more starting pitcher, you know, that wouldn't block them from doing that. So it's just one of those things where they don't mind if they have to go out there and, and get a big contract. They can get, you know, maybe they get a Nelson Cruz who mm-hmm. signed through next year just for, you know, some DH help, something like that. You know, it's just one of those things where they're not going to be handcuffed by ownership saying, well, there's only this much money to go around. Whereas teams like the Rays, the Guardians, the Twins, those are teams that could be, you know, kind of have their knees chopped off a little bit in terms of you know, adding payroll. 
could you throw the Padres into that category of teams that are willing to pay and spend for these type of guys? I think so. It's tough because they're trying to sign Joe Musgrove to an extension. I know yeah. they want to commit money to him, and they've got you know the money to Fernando Tatis as well that's out there. So I don't know if they're really going to be a Juan Soto fit, despite everyone kind of talking that way. Yeah, the people in San Diego want Juan Soto, but they're going to get Fernando Tatis Jr. at some point here in August, and that'll be one of the big moves of the deadline, and he's already on the team. They don't have to give anything up for that to get him on that roster. Speaking of the deadline, we start to talk all the major players and the teams who might try to acquire them over the next 48 hours here on The Run Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You found VSIN's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Welcome back. This is the run line coming to you from the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke. We're kicking it here in the VSIN studios. The MLB trade deadline is rapidly approaching Tuesday afternoon for us out here on the West Coast, evening for the folks on the East Coast. And before we get into all the names that we need to know, here that could be moved at the deadline. I want to know how you kind of approach betting on some of this news. Do you try to be anticipatory and bet on some teams that you think might make moves over the next couple of days, or do you wait for the news to trickle out and then try to fire in a bet as soon as possible before the books move the lines here? How do you kind of strategically go about this trade deadline betting here? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, especially because, you know, we, we've talked about it already. That there are some teams that seem like they're going to upgrade in, in mm -hmm. probably a pretty significant way. Th the problem is that, you know, a lot of times the buyers are already priced pretty low in the marketplace yeah. anyway. You know, like we just talked about the Mets, for example, where I think Wilson Contreras would be a really great addition for them. But they're six to one to win the World Series, you know, so there's not really a, a ton of equity in, in betting something like that. Now, with that being said. You know, I, I kind of start thinking about the situation for Cleveland. And, you know, we talked about the possibility of them maybe being linked to Juan Soto because they could conceivably take him for a couple of years. You put him with Jose Ramirez. It's a really good middle of the order. Yeah. And they have the ability to trade from a position of strength. Not really their MO, not really something I would expect them to do, but it has crossed my mind of should I take, you know, they were uh, higher. I think you mentioned plus 275 to win the Central. Yeah. Like I've seen them higher than that in other places in the market where nobody wants to win that division. If they got Juan Soto, I mean, that's a three or four win player for them in the second half. That's a really huge upgrade for a team that badly needs offensive upgrades. So I've thought about it. It's crossed my mind with a team like that. I think a team that I'd really look at, and I mentioned them on PTA and Ben Wilson's a Wisconsin guy. We talked about the Brewers. Yeah. You know, and I think the Brewers are a team that 
could be a good fit for a guy like Josh Bell, who's a rental hitter from the Nationals who are going to be very busy over the next couple of days, where that's a player that really, really helps them, I think. That's a situation where maybe I would look at a team like that, where you know they're in the 20 to 1 range to win the World Series. If they get a Josh Bell, maybe they're 18 to 1, something like that. Mm-hmm. The price isn't going to get too out of whack, but you know, they could also get help for the back end of the bullpen, where Josh Hader's been a little bit iffy, where Devin Williams has been really good, but you don't want Devin Williams pitching 82 times in the regular season. You know, so that's a team where because they're not linked to a Juan Soto, where maybe their price has been shaded a little bit as it is, mm-hmm. I think that's the type of team that you want to look at. You want to look for kind of a mid-range type of team to, to make a move. I think the teams that everybody expects to make a move are already kind of you know priced, priced low enough to the point where there's not a whole lot of futures equity on them. Yeah. And, and there are probably some teams that it's baked in the anticipation of them making a move right. as well. We see that sometimes in the futures market, especially in the NBA. We've seen that with the Boston Celtics potentially getting Kevin Durant and all that stuff, how these things shift these prices. Um, Juan Soto, we talked about some of the teams that might be vying for his services between now and Tuesday. Ultimately, do you think he gets traded by the deadline? <sighs> it's the it's a million-dollar question, it right? Is. I. I Look, um, the question is, does a team show up with the prospect return that the Nationals want over the next two days? And I think that's really hard because if you're a team that's contending, right, and you've got young major league caliber players on the roster, do you want to upset that balance where, yes, Juan Soto is an elite level player. He will help you. But, you know, if, if you're a team like the Padres, you know, do you really want to move a C.J. Abrams right now, you know, to get a Juan Soto? Because he'd pretty much be the centerpiece of that deal, I would think. Is that something that you want to do? You know, if you're the Cardinals, do you really want to move Nolan Gorman right now to get Juan Soto? Because I think he would have to be in that type of deal. Or maybe a Brendan Carlson, somebody like that. You know, is that or Brendan, not Brendan Carlson, Brendan Donovan, somebody mm-hmm. like that? Because that's who the Nationals are going to ask for. You know, so I think it's almost one of those things where they may have to get a, a Mariners plus two return, you know, where it's four really good prospects maybe one guy who's kind of helping the Major League Ball Club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the the Padres or the Cardinals really want to go that route right now. They would do it in the wintertime, probably, sure. Yeah. But do they want to do it right now? I don't know. So I would say at this point, I'm probably 50-50, which is like the most basic answer <laughs> I could possibly give. But I think I'm probably 50-50 here on, on whether or not so. There's just so many moving parts yeah. of you know the future financial commitment Mm-hmm. teams that actually have the prospects that can get a deal done. You know, look, I, I'll i tell you what. Something I started thinking about. So I don't think the Yankees are going to sign Aaron Judge. Really? I don't think that's going to happen. And personally, I would prioritize signing Soto to an extension over Aaron Judge. So I've kind of thought maybe the Yankees get back into that mix somehow, and they decide, look, I'd rather commit $500 million to Juan Soto than you know, $400 oh, million to Aaron Judge. 100%. So... That's kind of something that I started thinking about is is do the Yankees sort of make that move where they know Judge is going to walk at the end of the year? You know, is is that something that they look to do? My goodness, can you imagine that coming down the stretch here? If they get Judge and Soto and <laughs> and Stanton comes back, like it, it's it'd be ridiculous. There, I mean, it truly right. would be the Bronx Bombers living up to their nickname. But the Yankees almost haven't operated like that right now with the reason. It, it, with the it new goes Stein against Brenner, what they've been doing. Yeah, it kind yeah, of goes against that. With, so. with Hal, it's much different. Than, yeah. than it was previously. Yeah. And Brian Cashman is trying to build from within, not spend a ton of money in free agency. So, you know, that this kind of goes against that as well. I mean, I know that they obviously gave the mega deal to Garrett Cole, but you know, it's it's such a it's 
arguably the most fascinating trade deadline story mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball that I can remember because this is a legitimate superstar, superstar <laughs> in yeah. his prime with contract control, a very unique situation. Tons of suitors, but I don't know who actually has the prospect pool to get it done. Yeah, he's going to garner. I a do, but I don't know if they're going to do it. Yeah, that's the thing is that like the teams that have the ability to do it, they just might not do it or think it's worth it at this moment. Um, Shohei Otani, we've seen his name now floated out there around this trade deadline. John Heyman had the report that the Angels are now listening to mm-hmm. offers on Otani. This seems it's like it's unlikely that he'll get dealt over the next 48 hours, but I mean, that's talking about one of the best players in baseball, the second right now in the betting odds to win the AL MVP. He feels like he would be an immediate upgrade to any team that he would go and join. Yeah, so if I was Perry Manasian, the general manager of the Angels, I would absolutely trade Shohei Otani. Wow. Now, I don't run an MLB team. I just sit here and talk about it (laughs) as if I do. But this is a team that they're far behind the Astros for next year, and they're far behind the Mariners as well. Mm -hmm. And now you have this developing situation with Mike Trout, and the ongoing injury that he'll be managing throughout the course of his career, Shohei Otani is not staying there. He's not signing there. So for me, I would capitalize on on what he's doing, what he's able to do, and get some prospects because this is an Angels team that they do not draft well. They do not develop well. They're very fortunate that Mike Trout turned into the best player of all time. So this is a team that needs an influx of talent within their system, and Shohei Otani can give you that. So... I would be looking, if he gets dealt, a team like the Twins could really use him. They need starting pitching help, and I think they also need offensive help. They could put him at DH. They'd be fine with that. I think the Milwaukee Brewers would be another team that would understand the value and the equity of getting him. Mm -hmm. But the Cardinals would be a really good fit as well. I think if I'm the Cardinals, I go after Otani, not Juan Soto, because it doesn't cost you Nolan Gorman. Maybe it costs you Brendan Donovan, but it doesn't cost you Nolan Gorman to get Shohei Otani because of the contract control and all that. I think the Guardians would make a ton of sense because they need help both pitching and hitting. They have the prospects to get him. I, If I'm Perry Manasian, I do it. And I don't think that they will. You know, I don't have to worry about ticket sales and you know, the say, business yeah. side of it and all that. But I, I just look at this team, and I think if you can get four prospects, four legit prospects for Shohei Otani, when you've surrounded Mike Trout with absolutely nothing throughout his career, mm-hmm. I think you have to do it. I, I think... I guess I would say this. The more I kind of look at both situations, I wouldn't be shocked if Otani gets dealt and Soto doesn't. Wow. That's crazy. Because to me, it almost feels like Otani is an off-season trade, almost maybe like later on this winter time that that happens. But you think that maybe Otani might get done now versus Soto just because of all the complications with the contract and all that? I, I think there are a lot of complications with Soto. Also, teams have the prospect capital to get a year and a half of Otani. They don't really have it to get what Juan Soto takes to acquire. Yeah. So even though Otani is a two-way player and something we've never seen before, I think the cost is much higher to get Juan Soto. So if I'm the Angels, I mean, look, I'm looking at teams that are in the mix for Soto, and I'm calling them, and I'm saying, hey, I don't know what you're offering for Soto, but if you want Shohei Otani and you want to give us that, please feel free. This might get wild over the next uh, Yeah, I think hours. so. I think it might be kind of crazy. I, I really, truly believe that. Like, imagine that. Like, you're trying to trade for Juan Soto, and all of a sudden the Angels call you, hey, yeah, you're trying to get Soto. You want Otani? He's pretty good. Yeah. He's, <laughs> like, he's, he's pretty good. good. I mean, anybody would be interested, at least that wants to win baseball games, I would imagine, there, Shohei Otani. Uh, for the Angels, if they made that trade, I get it for the long-range perspective of things, but, I mean, God, they'd go in the toilet. They would. Uh, I mean, they're going to anyway. But, yeah. but the, the idea of being able to get, like, let's say they get a four pack of prospects that mm-hmm. they have for 
combined over 20 years of contract control yeah for you know eight months of Shohei Otani you I think you have to do it but again I'm I don't run a I don't run a major league baseball team yeah. at least not yet yeah we don't have to worry about the finances probably not at all after that conversation <laughs> you, 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 you never knows? know maybe, maybe somebody will call you up you know <laughs> you never know what could happen uh this trade deadline is going to be a lot of fun so we're going to devote Two segments to the trade deadline here. We talked to big name Soto and Otani on the other side. We'll get into some other names that you might want to look out for come these next 48 hours. This is a run line on VCND Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.